So before we start this, we're going to be talking about murder, maybe some gory things. Um, Sexual content. like yes. Some heavy viewer discretion that is advised. We're back with part three of The Haunting in Connecticut. This is where all the juicy details come into play. Carmen was cleaning up breakfast off the dining room table, thinking about her son, Stephen, and what herself and anyone has said to him. As Carmen was washing the dishes, she felt a a slight pinch on the lower part of her body. She looked down and behind her while laughing, expecting to see her son, Peter. But as she turned around, no one was there. She felt more severe pinching after realizing no one was there. And the demon that was in the Snedeker household became very aggressive and very inappropriate towards the living. So, in part two, you mentioned the grandfather was murdered. See. How was he murdered? Like, was it like the spirit and it, like, attacked him? Or was it like an actual, like, crime? It was an actual crime. The father was shot. Yeah. Had nothing to do with the ghost. Carmen took her niece, Laura, and Peter out of the household for a while. Just to get some air. You know, do something different than to be in that household. Later that same day, Carmen was prepping dinner and she was uncertain if she should tell Al what has been happening to herself and her niece. She didn't think he would believe her. While both Al and Carmen were alone, Carmen ends up confessing to Al what has happened to her and her niece, how they both felt violated. Al ends up breaking down and confessing that he has also experienced things, such as with hearing music, voices, and the bed vibrating, along with a dog barking at the corner of the house. Carmen looked at her husband, how the whole time Stephen tried telling them about the house from the beginning. And now he's in a mental hospital because no one believed him. The next few days, everyone still went about their day to day, still hearing things and seeing shadows. Their son, Michael, that evening was in his bedroom trying to fall asleep. He was startled by the same spirit that Stephen saw. Michael was paralyzed and unable to make a reaction until it disappeared. Michael screamed in panic to his parents, explaining what had happened to him. Carmen consoles her son and lets him sleep in the living room. And from that night on, Michael never slept in his own room. Well, now, let me ask you this. Sure. Hypothetically, this is you. This is your family. Do you stay in the house? Do you say, oh, I don't believe it? So, the sad part with the Snedeker family which I'll get more into, they have no money to move. They spent all their money on their son Stephen's treatments, and it was closer to the hospital. That's why they moved here. They They don't have to pay for the mental hospital that the son is staying in? Well, they do. That's why their bills are outrageous. But now... So now picture having, like, no money. But don't they have have a place in New York, too? They sold that. They sold. So where does the dad stay? The dad now lives with... The family at the colonial home in Connecticut. They used to live in New York. Yeah. And then they all moved to Connecticut. So in part two, Al was saying his last goodbyes to traveling to and from work and now officially lives at home. Does he still work? He does. It seems to be that the demon is still pecking around in the Snedeker household. The next evening, Laura comes running into Al and Carmen's bedroom screaming and crying that the demon was yet again touching all over inappropriately. Carmen walks Laura back to Stephanie's room and starts reading Laura the Bible until she fell asleep. While Laura was starting to fall asleep, the demon started again, physically, sexually assaulting Laura. Carmen started shouting, 
the Hail Mary, and the Our Father while holding her rosary beads. This demon did not stop. Al ended up walking towards Stephanie's room where Laura and Carmen were, and he was in utter shock to what was going on. Carmen shouts to Al to grab her the phone to call Father Wheatley. He was no help. He didn't believe the Snedecker family. The demon finally stopped, and they all sat at the dining room table, and she said to Al, we need a solution to this issue. She remembered the magazine that her neighbor Tanya gave her, and she finds the article about the Warrens. She calls information for their contact info to get the help they need. Al was reading the article and was a little bit weary to try them out. Told Carmen to give it a shot. Carmen dials the number to the Warrens' household and Lorraine answers. Carmen immediately in hysteria tells Lorraine what has been happening to them in their house. Lorraine tells Carmen to have her husband state with a cross in the name of Jesus Christ, I demand you to leave this house. And pause. Go ahead. So from how long from the time it started happening to the time they called the warrant? A very long time. They tried everything in their power to brush it off like nothing was happening. And of course, when you act weak and you're tired and you're constantly have no energy, the demon feeds and it feeds and it provokes. She told Carmen to have him say it over and over. Lorraine also told them to get some rest because spirits pry on the weak. She stated to Carmen that she should call back at 9 a.m. in the morning and that they would both come by to meet the Snedecker family and investigate their home. Now, of course, Al and Carmen could not sleep. They couldn't wait till 9 a.m. to call Lorraine and Ed. The day the Warrens come to investigate the Snedecker home, Carmen greeted the Warrens along with Al into their house. They started to share with the Warrens about the house and what it was before a house. Lorraine stated to both Al and Carmen to keep everyone together and pray. The Warrens made the family feel at ease and asked for consent to record, and they agreed. Ed looked at both Al and Carmen and stated he had some questions he needed to ask them, stated to answer honestly. The first question was if anyone drank excess amounts of alcohol. Now, for all of you that don't know, Al drinks heavily every night. Just because, one, he's agitated when his son got severely sick, two, things going on in the house, and three, he's just very angry. He does it to escape. Correct. Carmen stated that Al has his beers in the fridge and that he drinks at night. Next, he asked if anyone does drugs. Ed said such as illegal or prescription. He stated it could be mind-altering. Ed asked Al and Carmen about Stephen when it came up about this question, and Carmen frantically shouted, no, but both Al and Carmen glanced at one another, stating they don't believe that could be it. Ed moved on to the next question, if anyone has played with a Ouija board, had a seance or a medium come into their home. They both stated, no. So now they're pretty much lying. They, well, yeah. After all the questioning, Lorraine asked Al and Carmen if she can walk the house alone. Ed explained to Mr. and Mrs. Snedecker that Lorraine is very intuitive to the other side. Lorraine got to the top of the basement stairs and started to walk down as she felt so much cooler air and dampness, and she knew that there was something wrong. 
When Lorraine felt the dark presence in Stephen's room, where bodies would never again be carried onto the table, and the guts from the bodies would never again go down the drain. Lorraine felt a male with rough hands, where it would fondle the dead bodies of men and women of all ages. A hearty sick laughter, enjoying with excitement. Now, the room that Stephen moved into, that was right next to Michael's room, behind the French doors, was the embalming area for dead bodies, where it still had the old chains and things hanging. After the darkness fled away from Lorraine to show her a heart, a horrid vision, Lorraine was left with heart-trembling adrenaline rush and trying to catch her breath. She then went into the living room where the others were. Ed and Lorraine disclosed the information that Lorraine discovered alone first. Ed approached Mr. and Mrs. Snedecker about what is happening in their home and that it was a demonic nature. It is very old, very cunning, and very evil. Lorraine looked at Alan Carmen and stated, we can win this with only the help within God. Ed started to approach them that there are five steps to follow of manifestation. One, encroachment, which is permission, when the spirit attaches to person or persons. Two, infestation, demons will try to drive you crazy. Three, oppression, where the demons then go after the people themselves. Four, possession, and five, if it is allowed to go that far, death. Technically, they are pretty far. They're pretty this, far. They're at, they're at the... Uh, they're at like three, four. Yeah. Out of five. They're at number three. Ed explained the possession stage, and Lorraine jumped in and stated how they aren't there and are blessed that due to our God, who is powerful, and watching over this family. The Warrens left and stated that they will be back at night with their research team where they will record the paranormal activity for 24 hours. Ed asked for consent and Al replied whatever needs to be done to help. That night, the researchers have arrived and got welcomed into the Snedeker household. They started to set up all their equipment as Ed starts to introduce his men who came to help. Chris McKenna was his grandson, John Zaffis was his nephew, and Sal Valenti, a student of Ed and Lorraine. Once everyone got settled, Al had too much to drink and started to doze off. He finally fell asleep, but as he was sleeping, he kept jolting up from a horrible nightmare. He was dreaming about Christ on the cross, but this Christ had a, we- had a weird face with bulging eyes. Christ looked at Al that he cannot help him. Al woke up screaming in fear from this nightmare and everyone ran to Al in the living room. John asked Al what happened as Al explained his nightmare and John stated that this is what the demon wants. It wants you to lose hope in your faith. Do not let the demon win. Furthermore, the next night Al and Carmen were sitting alone on the front porch where Carmen had a cup of tea and a cigarette and Al had a beer. While they both were enjoying the quiet together, Carmen felt slightly off. She fell back where her eyes rolled in the back of her head and her body was shaking. Carmen was in a loophole of darkness. She was in a lost land, seeing nothing but dark shadows and hearing voices. The voices were calling her names. Like, she's a dumb bitch. Al, at this point, screamed as everyone came running to where Carmen was. They all carried her body to the mattress. They laid her in the living room. John looked at everyone and Al, and he knew that Carmen was possessed by the demon at this point. John, Chris, and Sal shouted shouted over her, saying, 
their invocation. In the name of Jesus Christ, we command you to leave. They advised Al to say the Our Father and the Hail Mary over and over. Finally, Carmen came through where all thought the demon had left. Al didn't leave his wife's side. He watched her fall asleep again. Carmen started up again with her body trembling and eyes rolling back. Al screamed, it's happening again. Al was furious and yelled at the demon to go for him. John looked at Al to not say that, but Al kept taunting and cursing at the demon to take him. Instantly, the demon left Carmen's body and attacked Al's. Carmen came to and shouted, help my husband. And John looked at Carmen and stated, there is nothing we could do. So is this all being recorded so the Warrens aren't there or the Warrens are there? The Warrens aren't there. Okay, so so this is within the recording. This is still, this is like night after night after night in the recording. So like. How long were the Warrens waiting for? Until it got bad. But wait, there's more. Oh, I'm so excited to hear it. Moreover, Ed and Lorraine end up coming back to the house. They saw what the researchers have experienced and what the Snedeker family went through. They all heard rattling noises in the house, which was coming from the basement. Lorraine goes back down there and her vision of what is possessing the home. Now, just so we're getting into this, I just want to let everybody know what I'm about to share is very disgusting about this demon. She described a heavy-set, dirty-looking man who takes Lorraine to the dead bodies. And with a hearty evil laugh says, look at how firm and stiff they are. The demon looks at Lorraine while he fondles himself and the dead bodies. Lorraine wakes up from her vision, screaming in terror. Ed grabs his wife and she looked at him and said, this demon has necrophilia. Ed looks at the Snedeker family and stated that the next steps are to contact the church. Now, to go back to the Snedeker family, they told Ed and Lorraine Warren that The church didn't help them before, so they're a little skeptical. So the next day, Father George came by the Snedeckers' home. He instantly could tell there was a dark presence in the home. He stated to Carmen that he would walk around and sprinkle holy water in each room. As Father George approached the basement, started to tremble and cry. He felt such a strong presence behind the corridors where the morgue was, Stephen's room. Father George saw a dark shadow, and he said a prayer and ran back up the stairs. He caught his breath and wiped his tears before he approached Carmen, trying to keep his cool. He stated that he would be back with another priest to do a mass either later that evening or the next day. He knew he couldn't wait. It was getting worse. That evening, Father George brought Father Gary to start a mass. As the mass started, both Carmen and Laura felt the presence of cold hands poking and touching their bodies in inappropriate ways. They tried not to panic during mass, but prayed to God for strength and just kept focusing on Father Gary and Father George. Later that evening, everyone went to bed besides John and Chris, the researchers. Chris dozed off at the dining room table as John started to hear footsteps and voices coming from the basement. At that point, he tried to wake up Chris, but Chris was in a deep sleep, and this is what the demon wanted. The demon can sprinkle people into having deep sleeps where they can't wake up, and you're the only one awake. At this time, he knew what he was about to encounter was the visual of what the demon looked like, and John described as a woman with no eyes, a long tongue, a horrible stench, and was a little overweight. The demon ended up pushing John down face first and changed into a bat-like form. John was knocked over face first, and of course, the demon provoked and touched John inappropriately. 
Ed and Lorraine came by the next day and knew it was getting worse for all. They reached out to Father George to find out when they could do the exorcism. The next day, another priest arrived at the Snedegger household to perform an exorcism. After the exorcism was performed, a brightness came over the home. The Snedecker family moved out of the house into another place in Connecticut. The two girls, Laura and Mary, moved back to Alabama, and Stephen was released from the facility. But at this time, he stayed with his aunt until his family officially moved out of the house. Pause. Pausing. I thought they had no money, so how are they now moving? So. They clearly didn't sell the house. They, so, they didn't sell the house, and they don't get into detail of how they moved, how they got money. It literally was like after the exorcism, the family obviously stayed in the home for a little while longer until they knew it was no more and they needed to get out of there. So they ended up moving that summer to a different home in Connecticut still, but it gets worse before it gets better. Why would it get better? And this is something that to me, I'm a little skeptical about myself. You're not really skeptical of things either. I'm not. And, like, the fact that a book is sharing this with me, I'm like, do these things work? Did Anna Lorraine Warren actually get the demon out? Or is it just calmed down and tamed? So a little more to the house. The fam was settled in a new home, and that old colonial home on Merida still stood with that same-looking tree where family after family came and went. Carmen said to Al that a family was concerned with the house just like they were and wanted to learn more about what happened there and wanted to ask the previous owners meaning al and carmen but al looked at his wife and stated to her to stay out of it and just pray for them he said one day they'll get it and they'll also leave and he wasn't wrong they did the same thing and they left too now to me i don't know if the house is vacant and i kind of want to look that up to see if it's vacant now but family after family kept moving out of the home, kept moving out of the home, kept moving out of the home. Do you think the exorcism actually worked or do you think the spirit is still there? Um, I don't know. I'm skeptical of a lot of things until proven otherwise, obviously. I don't know. I feel like the spirit and everything is like still there. But maybe the people that lived in the house just weren't weak enough for them to like take over. So they didn't like go after them. That's what I'm thinking. But if they were, if it was selling the home and like it scared each person that was there away, it obviously was provoking again. Yeah, but it wasn't provoking so much like the other family, the Sandecker family. But do we know that? We don't know that. That's how the book ended. But Hollywood made it out to seem like the son, Stephen, was the one that got possessed, when in reality it was both parents. And now what's crazy no is... way. Yeah. Wow. See? Uh, Hollywood. See what it does? That's why um, my favorite YouTubers, Corey and Elton, actually have the guy Chris from the Warren household talk on their podcast. But I think one of the ladies that he's with Because I knew, I didn't say this, but in the the story, The Haunting in Connecticut, the book, Chris and Laura, like, had a connection when they first started. So I don't know if... Like a dating connection? I think so, because the reason why I bring this up is because I didn't really watch 
the YouTube video yet with Elton and Corey, but the guy Chris makes an appearance back. I think his name is Chris, if I'm not mistaken, but there's a woman with him. I don't know if that, because she was explaining her eyes being shut, the touching. So I don't know if they were explaining the haunting in Connecticut, and I need to know who that person is. So stay tuned, because I kind of want to know more. And if that is them, I'll tell me a story that I could just literally verbiage a summary, a synopsis of more to come about the home. Because I just think it's crazy. But I think it's nuts. Well, I just Googled. Nothing came up about that colonial home. So I don't even know. This makes me go back to the Conjuring house. The Warrens obviously did their exorcism spiel, got what, you know, took the item. The house is still haunted. The guy who owns the house, the Conjuring house, said that there literally is a shadow-like figure that stares at him and his wife while sleeping. Obviously, then, if the exorcism did work, and those people that are happily ever after living in that home, then, okay, kudos. It's like people who are experiencing stuff like that in, like, an old funeral home, like, that's bizarre. Like, obviously, if the demon was that evil, like, of course it's going to do something to provoke. Yeah, but see, now this is the thing, is would it follow them if they didn't have, like, Ed and Lorraine? Oh, of course. That, would it, though? I don't know. It really liked prying at the bodies see, at that that's house. that's what I'm saying. Like, well, what is it just with the house? But I could never. That's why, like, I hear the stories of the Conjuring house. Like, it's still there. People, like go and investigate the Conjuring house. They go in the basement where, like, mad activity happens. You know, I just... Well, it's like the Abbeville Horror House. Right. Don't disrupt the dead. Just let them die. Well, they say it's not haunted either. I don't know. But that's for sale Because they changed the windows. It was all about the windows. Don't tell me that this guy killed his family because Because of of the the windows. windows. Let me tell you, people... Crucial about... There's no way. Well, of course. Well, we'll talk about him. (laughs) 